an audio medium unlike anything you've ever heard before. The Pinnacle of Sound Experience. Jacked and Canned. Featuring John Tessman and Colby Tyler. A place where you will get the information you crave and hear about the topics that you love. Presented by themselves. Coming to you from the basement, bar, and the bedroom. Sponsored by no one. Jack and Cam. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sports roundtable of Jacked and Canned. John, how are we doing this week, buddy? Doing good, man. Doing good after a week of hiatus from the sports roundtable episode. It feels good to be back because if anybody saw the last YouTube video that was released, it was very short. It was about three and a half minutes long. It was probably the worst audio that you've ever heard because me and Colbs were off sync because of technical difficulties. But Colbs, the Wi-Fi, the Internet is now figured out. Thank God it's all due to having a new router. So I have a system that's working, Colbs. We're back. We're back. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I, uh, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get to do anything last week, but being that it was the inaugural episode of Nobody is Shiftier under breaking down the tape under their media, I was, uh, I was okay that I wasn't able to dish out hot sports takes over here because at least I was able to put them somewhere in the atmosphere. Now, did I, did you go back and listen to the, no, I still haven't. I still haven't, John. I, I apologize. I've been meaning to, and I know that you had texted me that you did something at the beginning of our episode, but I don't remember. What's the name listen. of the show once more? Nobody is shiftier. That's it. Nobody is shiftier. Yeah. Okay, so I definitely hacked it. Ladies and gents, if you tuned into the sports roundtable and you tuned into this one, you're going to get a good kick out of this. And Colbs is going to find out a little bit later on tonight when he goes back and listens to it or whenever he does. Colbs, man, we're going to start up this episode like we always do. Who's on top? Who's on top? NHL playoffs. It is the Stanley Cup. Colbs, Tampa Bay Lightning. They prevailed. They beat the Rangers. I'm very disappointed i thought they were going to pull it off rangers up 2-0 in the series and then kind of belly flopped but it's the tampa bay lightning and the colorado avalanche yeah any thoughts on them colbs yeah i've got a actually a pretty good bit here john now now that you mention it uh as far as that series goes so we did see a that tampa was able to overcome the Rangers who did start up two nothing in the series. This ended up going to being a six game series for the lightning just took over starting game three forward. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the preview to the NHL final, we have now the series that has the storyline that everybody wanted. It's the team going for the three Pete against the team. That's been the best team last year and second best in points this year. Now, granted the Florida Panthers are somewhat of an exclusion but they also have a roadblock in Tampa where I think mentally Tampa is inside Florida's head. Now, when we look at this, there's a couple of storylines to take away, John. If Tampa Bay three-peats, where does that put them in the pantheon of what recent sports history has been? What does that do? So that puts them in categories that are similar to that of like Shaq and Kobe 
puts him in with the Spurs dynasty, the Pats dynasty, brings him into where the Heat won two titles back-to-back in the early 2010s, brings it to where the Warriors were over basically, at this point, the last seven years because they they have been now to another finals yet again. So this puts the Lightning into this category of teams that you classify them in. And I'm just curious where most people have that actually lying in their own records, because to me, I actually think all these other teams I just mentioned would be greater teams in this lightning squad. But I think that's mostly because hockey's a random sport. This isn't a sport where you just see the best team always win. A lot of times in hockey, it's about who makes mistakes. So if it's just the Tampa that just doesn't make mistakes, then I don't necessarily think that that makes Tampa better than any of the other teams that I just listed off, but it does put them now in the category where you can have that conversation. Additionally, Carolina or Carolina, Colorado, Colorado was the best team in hockey last year, and then they randomly just bowed out in the playoffs. They just lost all their steam. Coming into this final series, John, the Avalanche are averaging 4.64 goals a game, giving up about 2.85 a game. Tampa is only scoring just over three goals a game and giving up about two and a half a game. And if you take out the Panthers series where they dominated the Panthers, but the Panthers, again, have a mental block on Tampa, they're giving up about three goals a game. So they've actually been pretty similar in goals for and goals against throughout the course of these playoffs. Also, Tampa's played three more playoff games than Colorado this year, and considering that this is also their third straight year in the Stanley Cup Finals, do they have a little bit of fatigue? I don't know if it exists in hockey. I legitimately don't, because in basketball, you see it. You don't see the teams that made it to the conference finals make it again the next year, but in hockey... The, these guys play with broken legs and shit. I don't know <laughs> that. I, I don't know that they feel fatigue. I don't know if that's a real life thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to it this year, so I can actually make a conclusion on that. Because I just realized after 30 years of watching sports, I have not a clue if anybody gets fatigued by playing hockey because they're all animals. They're all monsters. They are. They're just broken. So if a player's really <laughs> out. In any NHL game, you know that they're seriously injured or they're seriously oh, I sick. Still, like I expect them to come out where uh, they're they're just like on a hospital bed that's still on skates, and they just got a stick in their one good arm. You know, it was like years ago when Kurt Schilling was pitching through, uh, you know, a pretty notorious game, and he had a the whole bloody, bloody sock. sock. Now, John, that that's a daily that basis for NHL. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. It has nothing to compare against. These guys you know, will get a puck shot in their face, come out with a broken jaw, play the rest of the game, and then get their jaw wired shut and then be coming back out there two nights later exactly, to play. Exactly. Exactly. So in <laughs> other sports, you'll have like a Kurt Schilling bloody sock. Like, is that a feat? Sure, I guess. Right. But hockey players, no, you, it's normal. You just lose a tooth. You lose an eye. You lose a freaking finger. <laughs> toe. It's all just part of the day. You get a work. skate to the neck. Like it's, it's, the, it's happened a couple of times. It's scary as hell. Like honestly, it's terrifying if you ever look at the highlights on those. I don't know if you've ever seen one of them, John. But there, it's only happened a couple of times. But oh my god, it is terrifying. It's like oh, that's it. That's it. I'm gonna watch something I really don't want to watch. These guys are the most animalistic people that have existed on this planet. 
It's the only sport where it's just that savage. Like you have a level of boxing in there with the fight. Well, here's the thing. These guys aren't as technically sound as actual fighters, but I don't know that they're not tougher. <laughs> These guys just go out there and they're like, yeah, you know what? If somebody hits me in the face with something moving 130 miles an hour, okay, I'll take it. And you know what? That kind of mentality has led to uh, one of my favorite movie series of all time for any NHL fans out there. The Goon. Ah, The Goon. I I saw the first one. I didn't see the sequel, but the first one was really good. Cobes was added to our list of movies that we have to see. Something else that we're going to add to our list of who's on top here is MLB standings. Why? Because Cobes doesn't care about MLB. So we're going to be fast. AL East Yankees sitting on top over there. AL Central Twins on top. AL West Astros on top. National League. Ooh, the NL East. This makes me so happy. <laughs> the Mets are sitting on top still. It's looking better and better for them, too. All the other teams are imploding. Yes, but but the Braves 10 and 0 out of the last 10 games. 36 oh, and the Braves have gotten hot. Okay, I had heard about the Phillies and the Marlins not really getting there. I didn't hear anything about the Braves. I just made that as a general assumption. So the Braves are now coming to dethrone the Mets. You just wait till the All-Star break. They're coming. They're coming with some vengeance. And I noticed that you mentioned the Phillies. The Phillies just recently turned on the freaking Jets. Eight and two out of the last 10 games. Really? Nine they turned it up back. too. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Well, shows you how much I pay attention to baseball. I'm going off of probably two-week-old news. Well, what happened with the Phillies there is Joe Girardi, their former manager. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was the last I had heard, so I assumed that they were in the tank. Yeah, their uh, former manager there, he, uh, Joe Girardi, is no longer with the organization. So for whatever that means, I don't know why if this is the reason for their winning streak or not. But, hey, Phillies, they're here to play. So that's exciting. But Mets, please pull it off. NL Central, this one makes me happy, Colbs. Yadier Molina, Albert Pujolster on the team. You know I'm pulling for him. The Cardinals are sitting on top at 37 and 27. Don't know how, but they're... They're a hot ball club, too. NL West, Dodgers on top. Padres right behind them. Well, not even right behind them, tied with them. And the Giants right behind them. Uh, Dodgers 38-23, Padres 39-24, Giants 35-27. and I'm going to go back to the American League before we go ahead and shift over that here. NL West is nuts, huh? The NL West is absolutely crazy. Every single year, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't get it, and the Giants are getting hot. Out of all odds, of course, they're three and a half back, so they got to be in contention somehow. Going back to the AL West real quick, Colves. Oh, I'm sad yet again, and we haven't even we didn't even do a sports roundtable last week. The Angels, what the? Freak? Oh yeah. Talk yeah, about a team that knows. No, they got two of the most uh, two of the most prominent players in baseball, and they're terrible. Like it, it, you know. Here's the here's the thing, though, John. Is in baseball, one star does not make a difference. Like the only place that it somewhat makes a difference is pitching. And yeah, Otani's a pitcher, but and John, you'll know this better than I. Is he a great pitcher or is he just a good pitcher? No, he's a great pitcher and he's a great hitter. No, I know that he's a great hitter. That I'm aware of. But I didn't know to what extent his pitching level actually was. I knew that he was at least good. I didn't know if he was good or great. 
So this season so far, 54 innings pitched in a 3.64 ERA, which is really damn good for really any pitcher in National League or American League. Uh, Unless, of course, you're, you know, one of the top guys out there, which Otani could be, but he doesn't pitch all the time. Right. But big shout out also to Justin Verlander, 39 years old. I've said it last time. The guy, Uh, is he going to win a Cy Young? (laughs) He might. He's got a 1.94 ERA this season. <laughs> 1.94 ERA, which is I know. Absolutely I, I remember insanity. him being the best pitcher in baseball like 14 years ago. Where yep. the hell did this come from? Dude, Tom Brady started a new trend. <laughs> now everybody's trying to play forever, which I'm here for, which brings me into the next who's on top segment. No, we're not going to talk about the NFL. Not yet. It'll be here sooner than you know, Colbs. Oh, we'll Let's try to enjoy summer. On this. <laughs> oh, you have some NFL takes? Yeah, I do. Ooh, all right. Well, we're going to come back to that in just a moment. We got to mention the NBA. Colbs. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that aren't the biggest NBA fans, just to let you know, it's the Celtics and Warriors. And the Warriors are up three to two in the series. And my God, is it a heartbreaker and the the losses for the Celtics? Uh, I know this comes just from being up and and living in Massachusetts now, being 45 minutes away from the city. You should see the amount of people that have Celtics apparel on. Absolute insanity. I saw a lot of sadness, a lot of sorrow. uh, And I can't imagine it's probably people betting 25 or 50 cent bets like I do. What the shit, Mac is smart. Come on, Al Horford. What are you yes. doing? What are you doing? Marcus Smart. <laughs> He's getting a lot of heat up there, too. Dude, I don't know what's going on, man. I, I, I still think the Celtics have a chance. Colbs, before we talk about the NFL topic, let us know what the frig is going on with the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I What's got going you. on? What what I'll do is to shorten this a little bit so that we don't have to make this episode incredibly long. I won't give you necessarily the game four and then the game five breakdown, but what I will do is give you some of the kind of general series takes that I have to this point. So, John, a lot of this does go towards game five. Now, I am going to start a little bit further back. Draymond Green, who has been a pivotal piece of the Warriors team since 2015, he, he's been garbage. Like I, I, I mean that he he was okay in Game Five, but he was so bad that he got benched in Game Four. And granted, the Warriors won that game, so Draymond got to say, like, yeah, you know what, I was fine with it. I'm telling you, if they lose that game, he's throwing a fit over that though. But Draymond Green has been terrible. Uh, he's become such a non-offensive threat that they're basically treating him like Ben Simmons, just like back up to the bucket and. If he feels like shooting, let him. He's not going to hit it. So that's been hurtful towards Golden State. Now, from the Boston perspective, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, these guys got to take over the game because something that they've been relying on, and this started back in the Miami series, is Derek White and Al Horford, respectively, the two of them averaging roughly between the two about 22 points a game. Now, with them having any off games that throws off everything. So where you're getting 22 points from them, and then in game five, they come out and uh, Derek White's got one point. 
you're, you're not going to make that up. <laughs> like you, You're supposed to get 22 between the two and you come out with 10 because Al Horford puts up nine. So now you're missing 12 points that you should be getting and you're not getting, but that's because you're relying on these role players and you just can't when it comes to this spot in the NBA finals. You have to have your stars take over the game. Jalen Brown has shown at times that he's willing to do it. Jason Tatum has been not necessarily a ghost because he has made a presence felt even last game. He started the third quarter very early on. He had three threes within a very short time period, but the Celtics have gone on runs in both game four and game five, where in game four, they went from five eighteen left in the game. They didn't score again till a minute 32 left in the game. So they Ooh. left about four minutes on the table that they put no points on the board. Oh, that's deadly. You can't do that against Golden State, who can hit shots from anywhere. They don't even have to have a good shot and they'll make shots. They're going to continuously put points on the board. You cannot have lulls like that. Additionally, in game five, basically, they gave up the lead at the end of the third quarter. They went three and a half minutes without scoring a bucket. And seven and a half minutes into the game, or into the fourth quarter, rather, they had five points. Seven and a half minutes, they had five points in the fourth quarter. Those were both winnable games for the Celtics, and they just shit the bed late in the game. And you cannot have that. And the way that you get past that is you don't go about, okay, let's just play team ball. Somebody will make a shot. Well, they play team defense, so they're going to be there for that. You need somebody that can take over the damn game, and they have two guys that can in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Those guys have to recognize, look, this is my time. I need to take this ball, and I need to make sure that this thing gets to the rim. And, hey, if you get to the rim and you draw two there, then fine. Kick it out to the open man. That's smart basketball. But just by saying, hey, let's pass the ball around, and then when we get a guy that's relatively open to take a shot, you're not applying pressure by doing that. You have to get to the rim. And it's not like the Warriors are big enough to keep you out. If Kayvon Looney's not on the court, you have no shot at getting to the rim. Or, I mean, you have every chance in the world of getting to the rim is what I mean. I meant the opposite. Because Kayvon Looney's the only guy with any real size on that Warriors defense. Otherwise, it's... Draymond Green playing the five, and he's 6'8". Jason Tatum's 6'8". Jalen Brown's like 6'7". Like, like the, these guys are big enough to get down there. They're big enough to get dirty with them. And they're just simply not doing it. They're playing shot basketball. They're trying to outshoot the Warriors. Let me reiterate, they're trying to outshoot the Warriors. That's a shitty way to try to win. They have to take this shit back over in game six. They need to get to the rim. They need to execute. They need to make it happen. That's the only way that the Celtics have a chance of making this work. Because otherwise, we're looking at a Warriors team that's going to be winning a fourth title here. And the one part of this conversation that I am enjoying is that Andrew Wiggins has come on the last couple of games. He had a uh, a couple games ago, he had 17 points, 16 rebounds. And then last game, he had uh, 26 points, 13 rebounds. Now there's the talk. Would Andrew Wiggins win the MVP if the Warriors win? 
Oh, can Andrew Wiggins please just put up like 60 points next game? And even if the Warriors <laughs> win, and I don't want them to, but if they do, I want Andrew Wiggins walking away with that finals MVP. And I don't think that there's an argument to make for it because Steph Curry has played phenomenal with the exception of last game. And that's the final note that I'm going to leave you guys with, by the way. Steph Curry went 0 for 9 shooting three-pointers in game five. Wow. He only scored like, 16. I did not watch it, Colbs. And for people that just, you know, see basketball through highlights like myself, that doesn't seem like a reality. That does not even seem possible for Steph Curry to miss that many shots. No, it doesn't, John. The last time that he didn't hit a three-pointer in a game was 2018. And what? if you're going to have the game where Steph Curry does not hit a three, you have to win that game. There's not an excuse. There's not a way around it. You got exactly what you needed. Steph Curry goes 0 for 9 from downtown. You never get that. You never get that. They gifted you that, and you threw it away. Now you're down 3-2. Good luck getting another one of those in the next two games. Steph Curry's probably going to blow up for 38 points next game. I I feel like they've already lost the series, John. I don't think it's over, but it does feel a lot like it is. Oh, uh, well, you know what? I'm hoping it just goes to the good old game seven. Just. just oh, me too. Sake. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping Boston wins this thing to begin with, but even if they don't, I would prefer it go seven games just because I love the NBA. And when it's not my team that's involved, I just want it to be seven game series all the way through. Like, I, I just want every, like, except for the first round, because the first round has some garbage teams in there that don't deserve to be in the playoffs. But when you get to the second round and on, if it's not the teams I'm rooting for, then I just get to please make this a good series. That's all I want. Well, I mean, Culps, if the NBA ends, I mean, you'll always have the big three, that league to watch. Yeah, what I'll have is YouTube so I can rewatch games that I've enjoyed over the course of my lifetime. Oh, brutal. I tried to promote it. I tried. I tried my best. Colbs, what else do we got for everybody for the Sports Roundtable episode? So, John, a little bit of football news came across the line here. Hey. John, this, this happened a little bit ago. Um, it might have even been before we last recorded, but... John, there's been a couple of retirements that have taken place. and uh, Oh, no. What happened? I think they're pretty significant for you specifically. Oh, Jesus. Let me look. What what just so, happened? Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Nope, because I, I got you here. I'm going to do these one by one. First off, Frank Gore. He is officially retired. Oh, damn it. So Frank Gore retires third all-time in rushing yards in NFL history. Uh, obviously going to make the Hall of Fame. Granted, I don't think he's a top 10 running back of all time by any means, but that's besides the point. Frank Gore has had an excellent NFL career, and we will see you in Canton, sir. Second of which, John, there's a certain Harvard bearded hero that has found his way to the grounds of retirement. Ryan Fitzpatrick is (gasps) now officially retired from the NFL. (sighs) Oh. 
I knew this one was going to be heartbreaking for you, John, but I've got some uplifting stats for you. And John, I talked about this a little bit earlier on Nobody is Shiftier, and I think that you would have been very proud of me for giving these takes in the manner in which I did, because I gave your guy as much respect as I possibly could. Uh, Somewhat on behalf of you. So Ryan Fitzpatrick as I told you, Frank Gore finishes third all-time in NFL rushing yards. Ryan Fitzpatrick, most people won't know this, 32nd all-time in <laughs> NFL passing yards. <laughs> all-time. And so there's going to be people that hear that and they go, well, what, that that's not third. That's not that impressive. Well, here's some names that fell a little bit short of, uh, of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tony Romo, uh, not as much as Ryan Fitzpatrick. Steve Young, not wow. as much as Ryan Fitzpatrick. Troy Aikman, <laughs> not as much as Ryan Fitzpatrick. Kurt Warner, movie made about him, not as much as Ryan Fitzpatrick. And just to give you an active player, to, to give you some sort of semblance, because even though obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick's been in the league much, much longer, Kirk Cousins still has not hit where Ryan Fitzpatrick is as far as total passing yards. And one thing that I want everybody to keep in mind when they think of the career of Ryan Fitzpatrick, don't think, oh, yeah, he played for like 20 years. Do you know how many of the of those years he actually started like for a team the whole season? Most of the time he came in as a backup or because somebody got hurt, somebody got benched. That was half the time that Ryan Fitzpatrick came into a football game. It was not just – Hey, you know, there were, yeah, there were a few times Ryan Fitzpatrick was the guy that they're like, yeah, this is who we need a quarterback. That wasn't the case in a lot of the teams that he played for. He came in there as the secondary quarterback and found his way onto the field and then still kept throwing 400 yards at a time. Now, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick ultimately, as his legacy goes down, is just maybe one of the best backups that ever played in the NFL. But John, he had a very impressive career, and for what he was, yeah. you're not going to do any better than that. I, I no. legitimately I, I commend him for his efforts in the NFL, and I think he just did a phenomenal job. John, I know you're sad to see these guys go because I know you root for, for these old guys that were around when you were still a teenager, and it makes you happy. And I, I'm with you on some of those occasions, but it's usually you know like the, the great ones that I'm in there for. But... Yeah, John, we have no more Fitzpatrick, no more Fitzmagic. We got no more Frank Gore. And granted, I'm pretty sure the only reason he was able to play as long as he did is because he played for the University of Miami where, well, you got to be tough to live down there. So I think that's uh, that's where Frank Gore got all that toughness from. But, John, as we move closer and closer to the uh, beginning of the football season, dude, I'm getting excited. I'm telling you right now, like I'm, I'm starting to feel it a little bit, but I know it's just because the NBA is about to wrap up and the, uh, the Stanley cup final starts. And if I'm not mistaken, like three minutes and there, there's all sorts of shit that's going on that I still have a little bit of, like, I've got time for it. It's still their time of the year, but I can tell that it's winding down considering that now there's three games or three days rather between games and basketball. It's no longer that I get a game every night. It's no longer that there's two games every night. It's no longer that I've got at least, well, I've got basketball, hockey, basketball, hockey. Now it's just like, 
Okay, I've got basketball today. Two days from now, I'll have hockey. The day after, I'll have basketball again. Then two days, nothing. Yeah, it's it it starts to get a little bit more and more disappointing from here. And I still have just a little bit of life left in what is the NBA and NHL seasons. But inevitably, we will be devolving into pre-game football talk, pre-season football talk. We will be criticizing everybody in the NFL for moves they made in the offseason or praising them undeservably. There will be teams that we say are going to be playoff teams that will absolutely not make the playoffs. There will be teams that we say do not make the playoffs, have no shot in hell, and they win the division. It's going to happen, and I'm here for all of it. The Lions, that's all I could say. Ladies and gents, September is getting very close. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Roundtable. Make sure to stick around. we got a special guest coming up on Jacked and Can Show, which we're going to launch that off at 8.30 p.m. So if you saw this one and you want to see the next one, stick around. We're going to be back in just half an hour. To be continued, Coles, we'll see you soon.